This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to share something from a passage that whether this passage is actually something that you've read or even remember existing period, or, you know, you've just heard the stories. Anybody who spent time in Sunday school as a kid growing up, even if you haven't been in church for a long time, if you haven't been around this kind of discussion and that's not part of the ebb and flow normal rhythm of your life, still you probably are familiar with what this passage is talking about. This is Joshua who led the nation of Israel right after Moses and he is leading. This was sort of the moment when uh, a lot of the people of Israel became convinced that God was using Joshua just the way that God had used Moses to lead the people because they had just crossed over the Jordan River. And just like God had done as the Israelites left Egypt and he had allowed the, the people of Israel to cross the Red Sea on dry ground, now that was under Moses. The Red Sea crossing was under Moses. And then 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And now Joshua has taken the reins of leadership and God shows up and parts the Jordan River so that now the people of Israel can cross over. And it's kind of these bookends, right? That's the way that we think of it, of, oh, the beginning of the time wandering in the wilderness starts with God allowing the people of Israel to cross over the Red Sea on dry ground. And then that bookend sort of ends with God using Joshua to, again, allow the people of Israel to cross the Jordan River on dry ground. And as right after that happens, from Joshua chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, Joshua says this, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we went over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. And when I read that passage, I guess it would have been last week as I was kind of thinking through, okay, what am I going to record coming up? I noticed something, or I, I not really noticed because it's not even there in the passage, but I connected something that I had never connected before. Because if you think, like I say, we, we think of this as the bookends of the crossing of the Red Sea that starts kind of the exodus out of Egypt and then uh, the crossing of the Jordan River, which ends this time of wandering and it is the beginning chapter of entering into the promised land. And what I realized when I 
when I really thought about this for a second, I connected, like I say, something that I hadn't connected before. And I'm wondering if maybe it's something that you haven't connected before either. Because it's really easy to read this passage or to know these stories and think, man, God showed up in amazing ways as they crossed over the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Man, if God would just show up and do something in my life, that would be awesome. Because we, we get in our heads, right, as we deal with different life circumstances, I'm guessing that we all right now, all different spots of life, whoever's listening to this, all different spots of life, all different family circumstances, all different work and education and all different financial, all different things that are weighing on us, all different things that we're hoping happen moving forward. And it can be really easy to read a passage like this and think, man, if God would just show up in my life and do a parting of the Red Sea level thing, that would just fix everything. And I think that's kind of how we read some of this stuff. When we read about the miraculous things in the Old Testament, especially, that God does, I think we probably, you know, we probably have a couple reactions. If we're honest, one of the first reactions would be wondering, like, I wonder if that actually happened, right? I mean, I know that if you spend a lot of time in the church, you kind of taught like well, you're not supposed to think that. I don't know if we're taught that, but we sort of, it's implied, right? You're not supposed to read it and wonder, I wonder if that actually happened. But probably a good chunk of us do, right? And then if you think, well, okay, uh, moving past that, let's say that it did happen that way. What, what an amazing thing to have God show up, to have him essentially put his stamp of approval right on the pathway that you're taking and just to clear all these roadblocks out of the way. Literally, in these two stories that are being referenced here, moving water out of the way, this barrier that there was no way to cross with a massive, massive group of people. And God just totally removes this barrier. And as soon as the people of Israel cross both the Red Sea and the Jordan River, the waters go back to normal. And it's easy, like I say, to read this and think, man, if God would show up that way in my circumstance... That would be such a relief. That would be such a weight off my shoulders. Because we live a lot of life thinking, man, if just this thing would happen, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be fulfilled. Then I'll be stress-free. Then I'll be set to move into the future. Right? It's just the way that we're naturally wired to think. We see a upcoming barrier, obstacle, issue that we don't know how we're going to overcome. 
and we think, man, if just that thing was removed, then life's just going to be roses, right? In terms of the amount of effort and energy and just difficult challenge of life, it's all going to be smooth sailing from here if that one thing was just removed. Like I say, I read this passage, Joshua reminding the people of Israel what happened before with the Red Sea and then talking about something that had just moments ago happened with the Jordan River crossing. The people who he was talking to, they, they knew this because they had been living this story. But the reality for them on the ground, it looked a lot different than this rosy, smooth sailing way of thinking that, man, if one of our problems was solved, this is just how it would go. Because after Moses brought, you know, God used Moses to bring them out of Egypt, out of slavery, they cross over the Red Sea and things weren't immediately solved from there, right? They were out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the wilderness, and they had to rely on God all along the way for direction, which he provided during the day uh, through kind of a, a cloud that the people would know, okay, the clouds this way, we move this direction. At night, a pillar of fire pointed the direction they needed to go. And along the way in the wilderness, God had to miraculously, because you, you think they're moving through um, desert and middle of nowhere. And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of modern day Israel, you know, from people that went and visited and they did the walks in the steps of Jesus, those sorts of things. But the pictures, it, it almost looks like um, what I think of as like, it, it's not quite like this, but if you've ever been to, I'm thinking of this because this is the spot I went to, uh, the Badlands in, what is it, North or South Dakota? I'm, I'm thinking of this right now, so I'm not sure. It's one of those two. But there, it's a desolate middle of nowhere, nobody would set up and choose to live here because this is an unforgiving place. And that's a majority of what they spent their time wandering through. And so God had to miraculously provide water, miraculously provide food, miraculously provide direction and really do basically everything for his people to keep them going and to keep them alive. And a lot of the 40-year part of this, well, not a lot of it, all of it, was sort of self-imposed because the Israelites didn't trust that God would actually be able to give them the promised land because they, they sent out some spies ahead of time and their spies came back and said, man, the people that live there are giants. Like we, we go into battle against these guys, it's going to be a real problem because they are huge. 
and this is hand-to-hand combat. Eh, they didn't say this, but it kind of feels like one of their guys is kind of worth like five of our guys, right? Like these dudes are massive and it's going to be a problem. And the people said, okay, well, we, we don't want to just sign up to go die. So, you know, is this the best idea? And because you would think, right, right after they see God work miraculously, uh, a sea couldn't stop what God was doing in their, their lives as a people. Why would they doubt? Why would they question? Right? It's easy to say that, but when we find ourselves in similar life circumstances, we do it too. And so as a result of that, right after this big victory of crossing the Red Sea, they actually wound up wandering for 40 years and all day, every day, reliant on God's provision and sustenance and protection. And then when they, when they get to this point that Joshua is talking right now, as they cross over the Jordan River, That's also not the end of the story of difficulty and trial because right after that is the Battle of Jericho. You probably remember singing that song from kids' camp years and years and years ago. But God showed up there miraculously and the next battle after that was a loss. Um, And the people of Israel continued to run into difficulty, again, often self-imposed, often due to lack of obedience. But over and over and over, these huge highs in life, these moments where God showed up, and you would think, man, if God's going to do that, then life is just going to be so easy. If only this thing happened, life would just be great. If God would just show up and do his thing, we'd be all set. It's really easy to think that, right? But the reality of what happened around the parting of these two huge bodies of water tells us that it's it's just not how it goes. Even when God shows up, even when he does this amazing thing in the moment, life is still life. And we need to break ourselves out of this way of thinking that, man, if I could just get X, if God would just work in this one circumstance, everything would just be smooth and perfect. I want you to think for a moment in case you you think, well, yeah, that, that happened these couple of times. But, you know, there's other times where there was something God did and then it was just easy after that. I, I want to look at a couple things in the, the New Testament quickly. Um, if we trust that this is obviously things that happened at a different time in history, right, where keeping records of all these things that happened was just, it was done in a different way. 
So we have to rely in some ways on kind of church tradition for things that aren't recorded in Scripture. But if church tradition is to be believed, what we know is that almost all of Jesus' disciples were martyrs. And you would think that if it meant God stepping in and just doing something that would smooth out everything else in life, that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead would be the thing that just makes everything easy, makes everything downhill from here, not in terms of things are going worse, but in terms of the amount of effort and energy that I'm going to have to give, it's downhill. I'm coasting the rest of the time here. But as Jesus' disciples, as he called them to do, went out into all the world to preach the gospel, making disciples, teaching people to obey Jesus' commands, almost every single one of those disciples became a martyr for their faith. And if we also look at um, as Paul, who wasn't one of the original disciples, but he encountered God on the road to Damascus. He was blinded and knocked off his horse, and he was he encountered God. And he was called to change what he was doing, which was persecuting the church, and to follow after and preach Jesus. And you would think, again, right, that would just make things smooth. Well, Paul ran into a lot of the same stuff that these disciples did of um, being pursued and being punished and being imprisoned as a result of preaching the gospel. But he also ran into, and this is just probably more documented than some of the other disciples, but he ran into some interpersonal stuff, some conflict, some frustrations. He and Peter, who were kind of two of the premier um, leaders of the church at that time, had such a strong disagreement that, you know, they, they definitely didn't agree on the way that um, at the time they were trying to figure out, I think I've mentioned this a few different episodes in the past, but what did it mean for a non-Jewish person to convert to following Jesus? Did it mean they had to follow all the Jewish guidelines and restrictions and uh, circumcision and dietary rituals and all that kind of stuff or not? And Peter was, uh, he was associating more with the people who were saying, yes, that's what you need to do. You need to follow all that. When he was in their presence, he was kind of distancing himself from some of these Gentile converts who weren't doing everything according to the Jewish law. And Paul saw this and he was really upset. And he confronted Peter, he writes, he confronted Peter to his face because he was in the wrong. And they dealt with it. But you can see, just because we've all 
experience God's work in our lives doesn't just make this stuff smooth sailing. It doesn't just make this stuff easy. Paul later with Barnabas, one of his ministry partners, they traveled together for a while preaching and teaching and starting churches. And they got to a point where they had such a strong disagreement that Paul, you know, the way we would think about it now, hired a new helper and he went one direction and Barnabas hired a new helper and he went another direction. And they were like, hey, keep doing your thing, but we disagree so much. It, you're not going to keep doing your thing with me. You go do your thing. I'll go do my thing. I don't hate you. I'm not furious at you, but man, we just aren't seeing eye to eye. And, and I tell these stories because I think it's, it's actually sort of weirdly comforting, right? Because we all go through tough stuff. And I think if we didn't understand that that's normal, that that's life, even as we see God showing up and working in big ways in all these stories, even right after life happens, conflict happens, issues in relationship, issues in life in general. And I think if we forget about that, if we just read kind of and focus on the highlights, these stories, oh, God did this, God did this. Wow, that would be amazing if God would be at work in my life and just fix everything. Like I say, it's, it's kind of weirdly comforting to know that these people who watch God do amazing things in their lives dealt with tough stuff right after that. Because otherwise, I, I think we could sort of feel like we must be doing something wrong if we're dealing with conflict and issues in different aspects of our lives. But I just want to remind you that it's normal. That even as we watch God work, we're also going to be watching conflict, difficulty in relationship. We're going to be watching some of the self-imposed things that we have chosen or continue to choose that are are going to be causing some difficulties in our lives, like Israel saw uh, right after God parted these waters miraculously. We, we also are going to see that like Jesus' original disciples, uh, it's probably not going to look like, you know, when I talk to people who uh, live in the United States, like we don't, we don't really understand what the original disciples and what scripture, when it's talking about persecution, we don't really experience that stuff here. But there are people throughout the world today who are being persecuted, being oppressed, and being imprisoned because of belief and preaching and teaching about 
what God wants to do in people's lives. And I think it's really important for us to remember that trusting in God and even seeing him work in amazing ways in our lives doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect. doesn't mean that all of our relationships are going to instantly be just completely fixed and conflict-free. It doesn't mean that every single day we're going to wake up and life is just going to be so easy. And if we're having that expectation, we're really setting ourselves up for heartbreak because that is just not the way the world works. And so I want to, like I say, I know this is kind of a strange way to go about doing something that I'm claiming is an encouragement, but I really do find encouragement in this passage, in, in these different stories that I'm highlighting, because even as God is showing up, even as God is moving, there's still conflict and barriers and issues and life. If you're in the midst of that stuff right now, it can sometimes be easy to start to wonder and question God and say, man, God, how come you're not just resolving this? How come you're not going to, you're not going to take care of this? I've seen you show up in different ways and now you're just leaving me on my own to handle this. If you're asking those questions, if you're feeling that way, um, maybe part of the reason is because you've been only seeing the highlights when you look at people in scripture, when you look at the people around you and their lives. And I think it's easy for us to focus in on that stuff, the highlight stuff, and forget that there's still the day in, day out, moments of encouragement, moments of discouragement, moments of high highs and moments of low lows that go along with um, even following after Jesus. So if you find yourself in the low low right now, in the disappointment, in the loss part of life, and you found yourself starting to question, starting to wonder, man, why isn't God doing anything? Is, can he, is he even capable? Does he even care? Is he even there? Then maybe it's time to sort of recalibrate expectations and to understand that what he's promised is not that life is going to be easy at the snap of a finger, but that in the midst of whatever we're facing, that he will be with us. And that right there is something that we can trust in and the way that we can find our hope. No matter what we face, God will be with us.